Here, bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, a four star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant strong athlete. And I am recording this at home in Pennsylvania with my favorite co host. That's me, Tyler Held. Um, I am a professional groom and a mental toughness coach, a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation. I'm a practitioner of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, daily meditation, and also currently a doctoral student in sports psychology. Which is so exciting. We'll get into that later, right? Absolutely. So if you haven't listened to the podcast before, welcome. And if you have, welcome back. As we said in our introduction, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. And we do this by discussing topics related to our four pillars, which are mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. In our main episodes, which we released one a month, we talk about goal setting, books, 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 the main topic, listener questions, and actionable advice. We've also released a few guest episodes, so be sure to check those out. And, Emily, we did actually get a new five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, I want to hear it. This comes from Street Racing Technology, and it says, Fantastic podcast. Tyler and Emily are both super impressive. I'm often laughing or at least smiling while learning great advice for both horse people and novices like myself. Oh, so this looks like a non-horse person listener. Or at least a novice horse person one of the most motivational shows I've come across. Oh, well, that's awesome. Very great. Thank you so much Fantastic. for your five-star review. And if you guys want to get a shout-out on the show, make sure to give us a review on wherever you listen to your podcast, but most often we get them on. Yeah, I don't know. I actually know how to see them on the other platforms. Oh, I guess maybe I should look into that. Yep. Because we may have a ton out there, we just don't even know about it. So thank you if you've reviewed us on other platforms. <laughs> we will look into that for next month. But with that segue, should we jump into our first segment here, Emily? Yes, we should. Okay, so again, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, the first segment we talk about is kind of a word of the year and goals. And we kind of just talk about it to keep ourselves accountable, to keep you guys accountable, to help inspire you to chase after some goals and... Um, get things done. So Emily, what is your word of the year? So my word is believe and I really feel like that was a good word to choose this year because there's got to be a lot of belief that something's going to work out eventually in the mess that is 2020. Yes. Um, and I don't know if you've seen those memes about like being on the corona coaster, like just the ups and downs of this situation yeah I feel like that's what I'm on but um anyway I believe it's all gonna work out and keep putting in the time eventually we're gonna get back to our normal activities yeah um especially when it comes to I don't know the big events yeah yeah I think that's been the hardest part well, I think it's hard, too, because it's not really fair to the horses to be, like, preparing them like there would be a really big event, like, if the event is not going to happen. Yeah, that's what I've been struggling with, you know? There's a certain amount of fun fundamentals and work. Like, you still want to be putting in the work every day, but it's 
it I think more of the fitness aspect of like how fit should I have my horse right yeah. now and that's kind of the struggle that is because especially when you get to the upper levels you know your horse has already had quite a bit of miles put on it and you want to make sure that you're doing what's right for your horse and you're not putting unnecessary wear and tear on them if you don't need to right you know and so Originally, I was hoping that the Fair Hill was still going to run their five-star this year. When that got canceled, then it kind of like makes me think about all the other events. Like, what do I really need to do? What's going to be beneficial long-term? And But, um, yeah, I guess you just need to know your horse, do what's right for them. Keep them in the best condition you can without overdoing it. Yeah, it's giving us all practice and expecting the unexpected. Because right. I think a lot of times, like individuals have you know things that throw a wrench in their season or their plans but this is the first time like we collectively as a society are dealing with the same issue at the same time yeah and maybe we have some people who have horses that are coming back from an injury this year that are you know seeing this as such a golden opportunity to really rehab their horse and not rush to bring it back yeah i think there are some benefits because people are having to slow down and kind of reevaluate everything yeah and um figure out what's really important to them and anyway so, so believe has been helpful now as far as your goals i know we we kind of put out a post before this episode that said your 2020 goals have probably been shaken up a bit and ours are no exception tell me a little bit about your your list you got going there yeah well um before we started this episode funny story Tyler was like, oh, I have my list. And I was like, okay, I'll go grab mine and look at it. And I could not find it. And I was like, this is perfect. (laughs) Just lose the list. Let's make a new one. But I did find it. Um, There are some goals that I have not been doing great on. Um, Some of them are due to the situation, like situations out of my control with all this. Others have just been like I haven't done them yet. But... One thing that I'm pretty proud that I've done is gain some more Team Barry supporters. I think I talked about it on a previous episode that I was working on like a Team Barry plan. Barry is my horse, uh, my four-star horse, who we are trying to get to the five-star level whenever that happens again. Um, But I was able to get a couple people interested in being a part of that, which is really exciting. And it's helpful to have more people kind of like behind you, not only financially, but like emotionally, just like part of the team. So, cause there's, it's, it's, um, as you know, at the top level, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It's just, there's a lot to it, you know, and you can't do it on your own. It's all about having a group and a community that helps support you and your horse and yeah and all of that. your team berry stuff is actually a really interesting way to approach the syndicate option right because it's not really technically a syndicate yeah it's not but... really a syndicate it's i um have just different levels so it makes it really accessible for people to get into um you know oftentimes syndicates are really quite pricey like even if you only buy into a small part there's pretty big financial commitment but I wanted um to just make it possible for more people to be part of it because Barry kind of has a fan club (laughs) I think more people know Barry than um 
they know me. But anyway, I just, you know, I want the people that are excited about him because he's a really cool horse to be able to chip in a couple bucks a month and like be part of the team and say that they can, they're part of that, you know? Yeah. And so there's lots of different levels, you know, one time supporters, you know, where you just give a certain amount once, or there's continuing supporters, which is like a monthly thing. And then I do have the option to um, buy in like into his syndicate basically. But so anyways, I've structured it just to make it possible for more people and I've got some really great people on board and always looking for more but it's been fun to do that and actually put that into the works because I've been thinking about it for a while so it's nice that I actually like did it. No and I think it's really interesting to hear your opinion about that because like you hear of you know people putting together different options to get support that's not necessarily the traditional syndicate model and I mm-hmm. think that's really growing some momentum yeah. um, you know just as far as riders out there doing different things and I think it's great because it makes it more accessible for more people to get involved in the sport more people to get excited about the sport and you know we've got some riders that really need support actually getting it so yeah. it's wonderful yeah you got to think outside the box you know <laughs> so Tyler your word of the year's connection, how how's that been going? Well, I, you know, I've talked a few times now about, you know, just feeling connected to the people in my life, so I'm not going to, um, you know, harp on that too much this week, but I, I have been thinking about how um, my connection through people and food has been a lot stronger this year. Um, I have a tendency to go on some like really strict nutrition plans sometimes like if I'm like oh like this has got to be the way to be and all of a sudden I'm you know eating an exact number of meals a day and weighing and measuring all my food and macros and everything like that and um, I've been trying to focus more on you know eating the right the right stuff macronutrient wise but more just eating real foods in real quantities and not you know stressing out too much about it because when I was like really really strict I'd go out to dinner with my friends and then I'd just be stressed out that I wasn't following my plan quite perfectly Um, whereas this year I'm kind of getting to experience food in a much healthier way and um, I have there's a girl that's living with me right now that pitches in for groceries and we like cook all of our meals together and just having someone to share a dinner with that night like that's really fantastic that makes a difference yeah it changes the game for like sure cooking for one versus two that's a huge it makes me motivated to like want to like do you know exciting things it makes me like actually want like the food to taste good I'm thinking like oh I can make this I can make this I'm like yeah. oh Kristen will like this because I'm more of a you don't I like to please other people more than <laughs> I like to please myself well, I guess you like most things right so you're like right yeah. right well and what pleases me is pleasing other people. Right. So um, getting to do that has been wonderful. Yeah, and you've made me a couple good meals recently. Yeah. We had one just Saturday. Yes. If um, if you have ingredients in your house, like I, that's my favorite thing to do. I want to go on the show Chopped because like you, really you give me a box of ingredients and I'm like, this is what I can create with it. Yeah. And I just, I love doing that. And I think it's a lot healthier um there's a lot of research that goes into like the social aspect of how you experience your food. Um, 
contributes to health and well-being as well so I think that's like a really important reflection and what I wanted to touch on as far as being connected goes yeah I was like hey Tyler I have a bunch of produce that needs to get used what can you make and I mean we did it so good delivered Uh, what about your goals okay so um a couple of goals on my list for 2020 um I'm supposed to be going on one date a month Mm mm-hmm I'm like, I'm really not feeling July, Emily. I went on a couple bad dates there. We're, we're not even halfway in. I know. I just, like, I don't even want to, like, talk to anyone on, like, you know, like. That's on... fine. You, you know, there's, like, the highs and lows of that, right? But, yeah. Yeah, I think, actually, your boss requested an episode about your dating life. Which we might do a bonus mini episode because I, like, I think really my dating life is a stand-up comedy routine. It's pretty hilarious. So, yeah. stay tuned for that. Um, we'll a see. mini bonus episode. I'll try. I, I kind of went on, like, a fake date with one of my friends that I was, mm-hmm. like, going to check off as my date um, for July. Cause and his wife and children. Yes. And his, along, yep. so, I mean, whatever. We had a sushi date. It was fine. Um, so, we're going to call that my date for July, and I'll stay tuned if I actually go on a real date. If you want to take me on a real date, my number is... I won't tell it on the air, but, you know, look me up. Emily will give it to you. Message her on Facebook. I'm not just going to give your number to random people. I think you should. But you can go through me. I will be the, like, interviewer. And if I, uh, like, think it's going to be a good match, I will connect you with Tyler. How about that? I'll play the um, dating guru, matchmaker, love connector. I don't know any of those any of those titles can I can I tell a funny side story yes please okay so um in the spirit of feeling connected to people um I thought I'd text some of the numbers on my phone that I don't know anymore right and that's a fun and slightly dangerous game but yes I had a name and it was it was Brian from the bar and if you know me I don't really go out to bars that much but if I do like I'm usually the designated driver like I'm a great designated driver and I know like literally the last time I was in a bar and drinking was my birthday two years ago yeah so I'm like I don't know who Brian from the bar is but I'm gonna text him and I just said hey how have you been he goes who is this I said I have no clue but you're in my phone as Brian from the bar like um, I don't even go, go to bars and we kind of just like message back and forth. Apparently he lives in Massachusetts now. I'm like, so that's not gonna work. I live in Pennsylvania. I have no idea how we met. I'm like, I sometimes go to Barnaby's and Kildare's in Westchester. He's like, I've been there. And he sends me a photo of himself. Just like, I have no recollection of ever meeting Brian from I the bar. I think was at Halloween one year. Really? Cause I feel like, I don't know. Maybe I'm making this up, but I remember one time we went out for Halloween, and you met some guy, and I feel like you got his number. Uh, Yeah, I just, like, I feel like I usually remember, too, if I, like, get someone's number. So, anyways, I had this, like, really hilarious conversation with Brian from the bar, um, who now lives in Massachusetts, and he's kind of cute, so, but I don't, I don't remember him at all. Um, (laughs) So, there's that. Other goals. (laughs) Um, I have down to attend a bodyworks seminar and it was like for people or for humans and so next weekend I'm actually attending 
uh, two-day biomechanics lecture, which is all about like learning about how horses move and you know keeping them sound based on their movement and stuff. So I, yeah. I'm going to kind of check that off yeah. and say that's, that's the body workers recommended it to me. So yeah. I think um, that's going to be really fascinating. Um, yeah, I want to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, next episode we'll give you the lowdown. And then um, I had a goal to drink 16 ounces of water every morning, and I am on day 195. Way to go. Is that... Are we on day 195? Of 2020, of 2020? we have been experiencing 195 days of 2020. That's correct. Wow. So that's, I keep so, it in, in my gratitude journal. Yeah. So I've been doing, I write three things that I'm grateful for in the morning and three good things that happen to me during the day. And like mm-hmm. at the top of that, I keep track of what day it is, like that I've drank water. And to be honest, like my, I, my ideal goal was to drink it like immediately as I wake up. I always drink it before I leave the house in the yeah. morning. That's so good. I always like wake up and I write, okay, like today's 195, I go downstairs, I get my water, yeah. everything like that. So yeah, we did a post on drinking your pint in the morning. Yeah. So hopefully you're doing that. Yeah. It does help. It really does. Like I find that I'm quite dehydrated when I wake up, even if I drink a lot of water the previous day. Like, yeah. I think just that long and not drinking. It's been so hot too. Uh, I had one of those days where I felt like I drank my body weight in water and I like oh, yeah. didn't pee all day. I was yeah. like, where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> it just evaporated. I know. That's when you know it's hot and that you've been sweating a lot yeah. for sure. So, all right. I think that means we can move on to our favorite section. Books, books, books! Books, books, books! Yay! <laughs> I feel like we need to come up with a little jingle for that. But um, I think us yelling books, 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 books is great. Yeah, kind of like the floor is lava! lava! <laughs> <laughs> um, in case you missed that, I don't know, we posted something about the floor is lava, that show on Netflix. You should check it out. Go to theholoequestrian.com. Yeah forward slash blog (laughs) and you'll know what we are talking about so anyway um books that i have read this month um i am currently reading orange is the new black by piper kerman so you guys may be familiar with that because it's a show on netflix but i i actually read this book a while ago and it was just on my bookshelf and i was feeling kind of burnt out of like self-help books and um, that sort of stuff, because those are great, and that's like, like I'm usually into nonfiction, self-help, that sort of thing, but my brain was just feeling like exhausted, and I was like, I just need some light, easy reading, and so I picked up this book again, reading it for the second time, I just enjoy it, like, because it's something, in case you guys don't know, it's this lady who ends up going to prison for like a 10-year-old drug offense, And anyway, so she's like, did this stupid thing, got involved with like some drug smuggling as a college student, and then like nothing happened. And she went on living her life and like made a really successful life for herself and got engaged and had this great guy and like her life was going great. And then all of a sudden, it shit hit the fan basically. They found out she was involved in this 10 years ago, had to go to prison for 15 months, and it just, like, talks about 
um, her time there, which I find really interesting because I really hope that I never have to go to prison. <laughs> Do you have anything in your past that you I could... don't have anything that I know of that I've Maybe been you cheated in. on taxes a little bit. <laughs> no. Um, at least I don't think I have. So anyway, I'm hoping that I never have to go behind bars. So I'm like, but I always find prison super interesting. Yeah. Do you? Like, I just like, I wonder, like, I just, to me, that's so interesting because it's so far out of my normal life. Yeah. You know? So I like to learn about those okay. things. Okay. So it was, it's, it's a good read. I'm reading it pretty quickly because it's entertaining, interesting. It's also kind of cool to see how these women come together and like form a community. And like, even though they're all convicts, they, they're most of them are quite good people and they've just, you know, done some bad things, but it's kind of, it's like a bit of a redemption story. It's, it's, I like it. I'll have I like to the, maybe check it out sometime. Yeah, it's an easy, fun read. So that's what I've been reading. And then I've also been listening to um, How to Be an Anti-Racist um, on Audible. And I'm also enjoying that. It's a little bit heavier, but I feel like it is um, just a necessary listen based on our current situation and also not so current you know we racism has been an issue forever basically mm -hmm. but um I just I find this book really interesting because it's not about not being a racist or you know being a racist or not being racist it's like you're either racist or you're anti-racist you know like anti-racist you're actively working towards um taking down racist institutions, you know, yeah. maybe not taking down, but like supporting things that are anti-racist, where everybody is um, treated actually equally, and um, it's just, it's a good, good thing to listen to. Again, it's a little bit deeper, a little hard to listen to at times, but it's necessary, yeah, in my opinion. Definitely so, important to yeah. get educated as well as push yourself outside of your comfort yeah. zone for maybe issues that you don't actually have to deal with yourself on a yeah. regular basis and like really being empathetic towards the rest of society. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, so what are you reading slash, I guess you don't really do Audible, but what are you reading? Just um, books. Okay, so I have to say, Emily, this is the first time on Books, Books, Books that I'm not talking about a book that I have finished cover to cover, yeah. which is just groundbreaking. But I did start my doctoral program. Um, so I have been doing a lot of like research article reading mm -hmm. um, and you know textbook reading. So I've got a motor learning and performance textbook that's actually really, really interesting. Um, so motor learning and performance, it's all about the science of learning how to learn, pretty much. Okay. Um, and I actually just made a post today on my Monday morning meditations account about Hicks Law, which basically says that as you have more options to make a decision, mm -hmm. the more time that it takes you to actually make a decision. That's so true. And I think it's just, like, so applicable yeah. to, like, everything in life and, like, horseback riding, too. Like, if you're going to, like, you know, 
go to a jump if you don't have your plan for the one thing that you're going to do and you've left it up to like okay well i might get this striding i might get this striding like the time that it takes you to make the actual decision in the moment is kind of going to like mess you up a little bit so narrowing down the options that you have in any given situation so that you can make a clear decision i like that yeah because how many times have you been in the supermarket and there's like a million choices for peanut butter and you're like well which which one which one's better exactly you know and there's like too many choices where if there's just like two choices it's a lot easier quicker to make that decision it's why um is steve jobs that wore the same turtleneck every Mm day yeah yep same same outfit so that he could minimize the number of decisions he had to make throughout the day. Hicks Law. So you don't get um, decision fatigue. Yep. Or, yeah. Um, so. I've also been reading a, an APA textbook. I won't bore you with that. <laughs> it's literally... Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks. You can just pass on Literally that about uh, that. But no, I actually did... Um, I did get a few chapters in on a book called Broadcasting Happiness. Mm-hmm. That's all about... Um, positive psychology and it's actually interesting because you know the book the happiness advantage that we both read this is his wife that wrote this book and I'm like I'm stop I'm like literally so jealous right now because like just two positive psychologists that sounds like such a healthy relationship to me they're both writing books about positive psychology I don't know I feel like behind the curtain maybe they have a terrible relationship and I don't want to know about it but um, on the surface it looks pretty in my little like spirited I just think everything in the world is good like they are just perfect to me automatically. Yeah. Um, but broadcasting happiness is all about like how what you present in your attitude like can affect like the rest of the world. Um, so the lady that wrote it was a news anchor, and she was like a news anchor during like the worst time of the country. I mean, like she's like the economic downturn and everything like that. Yeah. And she's like it was just so negative all the time. And then we did a happiness week, and like our ratings were higher than ever and like people really responded to having like a happier spin to things so I thought it was really interesting reading that especially during like this time because I feel like if you go on social media like you just see all the bad all the bad all the bad but like if you can be that person that is introducing like the good positivity in the world like people actually do really appreciate that Um, And it's actually going to kind of tie into our topic of the episode for today, which is like realistic optimism. So being realistic about like the way things are, but also optimistic that they can get better. Um, And she talks about like asking leading questions and like just the way that you set tones in conversations or like the way that you can influence others to have a positive effect. And this is something that like I feel... I don't know, like, almost, I've done so much work in, like, positive psychology and all this stuff, like, I I feel it as a responsibility to be yeah. that person. I'm like, yeah. I, you know, I even if I'm having a bad day, in the back yeah. of my head, I'm like, it, I am responsible because I've got other people who whose energy feed off, like, yeah. my positive outlook towards the world. No, I think that's great. I, I would like to read that book. I will let you borrow it after yeah. I'm done. Cool. Six years from now, maybe. I've got a lot of homework. <laughs> so is that one of your required readings? It actually was on okay. a list of textbooks. So when I when I got when I 
like signed up for the doctoral program they gave like a textbook list for like all the courses and I picked several out to kind of like get some reading ahead and jump yeah. started. So it's not actually related to any of the, the classes that I'm taking right now, okay. but it's on the list for the program in general. Oh, so okay. I started reading it before my classes started yeah. actually. That sounds like a Tyler thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that wraps up that section. Let's get into our main topic for this episode, which is realistic optimism and Tyler I'm gonna let you kick this one off and kind of explain what this is about okay so let's break it down first and like let's define a realist and an optimist because so you say realistic optimist together it's kind of an oxymoron um, given that a realist is a person who accepts a situation as it is and is prepared to deal with it accordingly and an optimist is a person who tends to be hopeful and confident about the future or success about, of something. So, you know, a kind of a realistic just takes things as they are, and an optimist always thinks that they could be better. But what a realistic optimist does is you believe in the power to make good things happen, even through rough conditions. You believe that you will succeed, but also believe that you have to make success happen, going through things like effort, careful planning, persistence, and choosing the right strategies. So it's kind of like, okay, let me take an inventory and really understand this is my situation, this is how things are, but then also look really positively to the future and say this is what I want them to be like and if I work really hard and line up my goals through that effort and consistency I will make things better yeah which I really feel like I'm in that camp after it was explained yeah and you got a definition I'm like yeah that, that sounds about like what I strive for you yeah know, not always that but like I feel like I'm, I tend to be a glass half full kind of person, but with age, I've also gotten to be a little more realistic. So I think, I don't know, I think we need to learn more about this. Now. Well, you know, like it applies to a lot of things, yeah. right? So, um, like, weight loss is like a huge topic just in general, right? Yeah. So if you want to lose weight, you have to be realistic about the fact that you need to lose weight like right. you know like there is some point where it your body weight is unhealthy for you to you know operate in society like if certain health markers are being negatively influenced by your weight and you can't breathe when you walk up the stairs because you're packing on extra pounds like you you need to be realistic about that sort yeah. of thing but also being able to be optimistic that like through your effort you actually have the power to influence your weight loss and, and like yeah and like yeah. kind of being a advocate in your own life for yeah. change um it's taking responsibility too right yes it's yeah the, what's the whole navy or marine extreme thing? ownership extreme ownership yep navy seals navy seals and two like i think sometimes you know optimistic people get eye rolls because it's like oh like you know it's just all sunshine and rainbows and we've talked about it before like it's not mindset is not just about being like super duper positive and saying everything is sunshine and rainbows it's about 
really taking accurate assessments and you know using the power of belief to guide you through like i mean i have a a journal that i wrote a hundred times in it i'm gonna groom at the olympics one day and that's kind of like the optimistic side of it the realistic side is me out here you know working towards it making the connections managing my horses well managing myself well taking care of my health taking care of their health and like really putting in the work um, another quote that I have about, um, I actually use some resources of the library for my doctoral program and okay. read some scholarly articles on um, realistic optimism. So here's one that came from an, a peer-reviewed research that said, in dealing with unresolved uncertainties, realistic optimism involves hoping for and working toward desired outcomes without having the expectation that particular outcomes will occur especially with no little or no effort to bring them about instead the hopes and aspirations associated with realistic optimism are coupled with a focus on possible opportunities to increase the likelihood of desirable and personally meaningful outcomes contingent on situational constraints so this is like you know positive thinking is just not sitting down and being like I'm going to be rich and famous one day. And like, if I sit and I breathe and I meditate and I think about how rich and famous I'm going to be, it's just going to happen. This is the, you know, you're going to put the work in, you're going to put the effort in, you're going to, you know, focus on what you can control to get yourself there. This is like, this is the real life people. Yeah. I like it. And I think it can really be this idea I don't know if it's an idea or if it's just whatever, but realistic optimism is very applicable to the horse world. Yes, you know? 110%. Because, um, yeah, you can say you want to ride at the five-star level, but you can hope and dream that all you want. It's not going to happen if you don't get out there and put the time and the effort in, right? Right. So, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more on... Um kind of some horsey tie-ins to this concept? Yeah, so I think we can apply this when we're talking about an ability level of horses and also riders. Um, Let's see. I guess, you know, there are horses that are naturally more athletic than others, right? As there are riders that are naturally more athletic than others. And some horses and riders, no matter how hard you work, like, there's going to be kind of a max limit to, like, for horses, how high they can jump comfortably, or I guess let's talk more about horses, because riders, I feel like there's a lot more room to improve, because we can deal with, like, the whole mindset, you know, where horses, it's more about physically um, what they can and can't do. Um, So I think it's just really important that you are, you understand your horse's ability. And obviously, say you have a young horse, they're, they're gonna be able to get stronger and mature and all of that, but there's gonna be a point possibly where you're like, this is their max comfort zone. And I think it's important to push yourself to, like a little bit outside of your comfort zone without completely going like way past it just from a safety aspect too. You know, you don't want to be so far out of your comfort zone that now 
your, you know, your lack of natural athleticism or ability can't like help you out of a possibly dangerous situation. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Can you absolutely um, kind of tie into that? Well, at all? I have I have an Albert Einstein quote that I'd like oh, to okay. tie in. Um, and Albert Einstein, you know, sometimes these like famous quotes are like misquotes. So who knows if he actually said it or not? Right. Um, but it, this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's attributed to Albert Einstein in mass media circumstances. Um, and he says, everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. And I just yeah. like for horses ability level, especially like just because a horse is not going to be a five-star horse, like do you know how many people will kill for like just a good solid citizen one-star horse? Right. Like that just because it's not going to be a five-star horse doesn't mean it's like a useless horse. It's just a matter of like finding realistically, optimistically finding their space in the world. Yeah, cuz like everybody has something that they're going to be really good at. Yeah. Right? And that kind of ties into our superpower or that episode yes. that we did one yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, so I think that's a really great point. You got to find what you're good at and excel at that thing. Don't try to, what was that, climb a tree if you're a fish? Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. correct. Don't, don't do that. So, um, yeah, and then same thing with like riders. Again, ability level. I do think riders can be trained up the levels a little easier. Just would you? I know yeah. you don't teach, but like there's more you can get into the mindset. And a lot of obviously there's going to be some physical limitations for some riders, but I think in general, if the rider has the right mindset and puts in the time, they can go like they're going to be less um, held back than like. A horse that maybe wasn't as talented. Right, right. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know? absolutely. And like, I don't know, it goes into, um, like I read a book called like the talent code or, mm -hmm. you know, the, the ones that kind of break down like what makes the elite performers and, you know, at the high levels, it's the mindset that sets yeah. you apart, not the actual physical ability. Now, I don't even want to go on record of saying this because I have like a very long argument with a few of my friends about natural athletic talent. It, do, it does exist. Like, yeah. there are just some people that are naturally a little bit more... Or not even that it's quote-unquote natural. Um, like, if you go into the studies, Tiger Woods, like, basically started golfing when he was three, year, three years old. Yeah. Or some people have just gotten more and more hours in because they've been primed from childhood, whether it's quote-unquote natural or not. They've just put a lot more years into it because they've started earlier. Right. So, yeah, there's always going to be those factors contributing as well. But for a rider, like, if you really, really want it and you make it your number one priority, you're going to have a lot easier a time than, a, like, you know, a horse. There is no horse that's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm just dying to be a five-star horse, right. you know? It's not... Yeah, you can't really work with the mindset factor. Not that they don't enjoy it. Like, I don't think yeah. horses would would run around five stars if they didn't enjoy it but they're not you know they're not gonna stay up at night like doing thinking extra exercises yeah. thinking about it visualizing it like they're not they're just not gonna be putting in that extra work right. that that riders can and, and influence that yeah you know 
side of things. And then continuing kind of on this rider thing, I think it's really important to be um, realistically optimistic about your situation. Like if you say you want to ride at the five star, sorry, we keep talking about five star because we're inventors, but <laughs> it could be Grand Prix level or whatever it is. Um, but if you want to ride at that, but you're not willing, if when you really look at it and are realistic, if you're not willing to put in the time and effort, like then you need to kind of get that sorted. What I think in um, Denny Emerson's book, How Good Riders Get Good, he yeah. uses like an example and he's got like, you know, two promising young riders and one moves to, you know, the heart of area to eventing to go train with Olympians and like, gets a working student position in like le lives horses eats sleeps breathes horses and another one like moves to alaska with her high school sweetheart to like yeah. you know start a family and like wants to ride horses on the side clearly the person that's in the thick of it yeah. has a better chance to reach that level and that doesn't mean that you know the person that moves to alaska can't event and can't find success in the sport but to be realistically optimistic about the circumstances that she's put herself in to say, okay, I'm going to do this and still be a, you know, Olympic level rider would be really unrealistic. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's important to have these honest conversations, you know, with yourself and with your trainer about yourself and your horse too. Yeah. Um, Cause obviously you need horse and rider to get to where you want to go. So yeah. you need to um, have a little honest conversation. Those are always good to have, right? I don't know. I'm thinking Alaska with your high school sweetheart doesn't sound like a bad option. Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, there is nothing wrong with if you realistically don't want to put in the, the time to get to the top. Like, that's fine. You can, again, you can find your little niche that you're good at and um that's cool yeah just be realistic about it love it and be optimistic that you can be really good at that thing yeah and i think that's like you know just kind of a horse world thing in general yeah. um there is a certain level of like if you want to do it full time like there are sacrifices that you have to make and it doesn't mean if you don't find like a really good supportive team that you know you can work in some weekends off or you know mm -hmm. some fun with friends a lot of the times it's not going to happen like a lot of the times you are going to have a horse show the same weekend that your boyfriend's sister is getting married and you're like i'm yeah. sorry i can't i can't yeah. come to this wedding because you know i'm busy i have a horse show and if, yeah. if you're not willing to make those sacrifices then you know just reorganize your life because you can do whatever you can do right. whatever you There's want. There's no right or wrong answer, but it's just like what is gonna make you the most fulfilled in your life, right? Exactly. Um, so just one more little point on here. Uh, we had someone ask us about how to kind of take this idea in regards to syndicating a horse, um, and I guess. Where do I want to start with this? So, again, you have to be realistically optimistic about the horse. Like, most people, I, I, I think, I'm 
trying to say this in a fair way, but I think it's easier to syndicate a horse with um, upper level potential, right? right? Um, and not that a lower level horse can't be syndicated, but I think to get people interested in the horse, you know, it's more exciting as you move up the levels and you can use that excitement to gain support from people who want to help you achieve those big goals and dreams, right? Um, and also I think you need to, for the realistic part of it, um, asking people to, to be part of your horse and like take some ownership that can be pretty intimidating you know like putting yourself out there um, because you're probably gonna have to ask quite a lot of people to get a couple people interested right the you know, kind so of like rejection therapy yeah you need to realistically understand that you're gonna put yourself out there and like you might not get exactly what you think but then you need to be optimistic that like you're going to attract the people that really want to be part of what you have going on. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's anything. I think she also kind of talked about the line between, you know, like at what point should you like, you know, chase your dreams and what point do you throw in the towel? And I think that kind of connects back to another one of my Navy SEAL concepts of failing forward fast. Like, mm -hmm. you want to put your heart and effort into something, but again, the realistic side of it is just being, like, really aware of, okay, at what point am I putting effort into this thing that isn't actually moving my needle for getting better to the right? Like, getting better. Yeah. You, you want to be... You want to be constantly progressing, right? right? So if you just keep putting effort in, keep putting effort in. Throw in the towel is not the word that I want you to use, but failing forward. So yeah. being like, okay, what have I learned from this experience that I can now put into my next endeavor? Yeah. Um, no, I agree with that. I think that's, that's a good way to look at it. So how can we apply this realistic optimism to the horse world in general, Tyler? What do you think? Did we not cover that already? I mean, we kind of, I guess we did a little bit, throwing in the towel there. Yeah, and just like, um... I, I mean, I guess we did touch on it, because it, to me, I read that as, um, just life in the horse industry, yes. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I kind of, kind of touched. We covered that throughout. Um... Again, uh, we had some really great listener interactions this week via social media, and I think we wanted to just like touch on that. And our friend Jenna from the Smart Equestrian, um, who makes the Smart Equestrian Planner, um, said they've kind of been talking about the topic of, you know, 2020 and recommitting goals. Um, they're, you know, focusing more on the micro word world and not the macro world to keep the mindset in a more positive place. Um, definitely looking forward to kind of readjusting in, in that regards. And um, again, if you have goals for 2020 that are based on competitions or events, that's like, something that you can't control. Like 
Emily, you can't control the fact that there are no five stars happening yeah, this so year. So that's the realistic So, part, yeah, right? the, you got to be, like, really realistic. And then optimistic is, okay, well, what can I do this year that's going to set me up for success next year? Or what can I do today that is going to make me feel happy and fulfilled? Because there's no guarantees that anything's going to happen next right. year. Not to be a downer. Not to be a downer, but, you know. But realistically, we don't know what the future holds. But we're optimistic. But we are optimistic that it's going to get better because we believe. That we're connected (laughs) to each other in many ways. And it's all going to work out. Yeah. So, cool. I like it. Yeah, again, um, like I said, I have a journal somewhere that I wrote a million times. I'm going to groom at the Olympics. Guess what? The Olympics aren't happening this month. Yeah. I sh- you know? You can't control that. can't control that at all. So, but you're optimistic. 2021. Or two, you know. Or two. Whatever. It's <laughs> going to happen eventually. So, all right. Shall we move on to listener questions? I think we should. And we took some listener questions for this week that aren't directly related to... Um, realistic optimism but we thought it'd be fun to throw these in here just to have you know some some topics so um melissa manning asks the best things to do to improve your position okay so that that was a question yeah sorry i there was an exclamation point point, but like what are the best things to do to improve your position okay so obviously fitness out of the saddle is going to help with this. Um, one, I think one of the best things is to work on your plank position. And because I, I feel like that really helps to strengthen your core and get yourself in alignment. And you can just kind of transfer that position upright. Mm-hmm. Like obviously there's a 90 degree kind of bend, maybe not 90, but you're bending at the hip. But from the hip up, you want to feel that same feeling when you're on the saddle. So that length through your torso, the engagement of your core. Um, And I really like to think about holding a modified plank of sorts when I'm up in my two point, like galloping, you know, really keeping the um, belly button in, like kind of pulling your belly button in towards your spine to help engage your core and protect your lower back. So I visualize myself in somewhat of a plank pose. Obviously, again, there's the bend at the hip, but it's that same feeling through your body um, when I'm in two point. And so that can be a good thing. Um, And going along with two pointing, if you have a day where you're supposed to jog your horse, like 15, 20 minutes or whatever, you can work on holding your two point for increased periods of time, you know, and then eventually get up to holding it for the whole time. Obviously, when you start, maybe you're only able to hold your two point for a minute, and then you move up to two, and you know, you just keep progressing, or maybe you can start off at five, and then, you know, but being able to test yourself and being able to hold that position for longer and longer, that's gonna improve your position a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you ever do, um, like, when you're planking, like, the shoulder taps or the toe touches to get, I like, kind of independent? Of... Yeah, I do that, and that could be really helpful because you do want to be able to 
use your aids independently. I just, I, that came to my mind because I feel like when I was riding and even to this day when I ride, one of the biggest things for me is like isolating body parts, yeah. like to be able to put your leg on while like still like giving with the hand yeah. like you know you kind of get this oh like I want to put my leg on and so your hands like tighten up too yeah. it's a very I feel no, like that's, it's a that's very a really immature thing of me to say but, but like no, that's I mean, definitely that's, that's what true. I you have to like I don't really think about it anymore but you have to be able to move what you want to move and not everything yeah um so I think that yeah the shoulder taps the toe touches toe taps or whatever yeah that would be helpful so um, and also, if you're doing that while in plank, it's really important that you keep your pelvis as still as possible. You know, like you keep right. your body still, and again, you're just isolating the part that you want to move. So, and maybe videotape yourself too, like if yeah. you if you if your proprioception is not all there, yeah. right? And like you can't Hands feel that maybe you're <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're tilting when you lift your foot, or you know what I mean. Yeah. That's, that's a good idea also. So, all right, Tammy asks, while riding dressage, what's the sports psychology tips to be focused, effective with your aids, while being relaxed and supple to support a through and swinging horse? I get tense and tight and then my horse does too. If I practice the test to feel confident, she anticipates the movement. I think there's a lot um, that you could do here. Um, a few of the topics we've talked about in some other shows, but um, definitely, I think that if if the tense and tightness is so much that the horse is reading off of it, um, the number one thing you have to do is reconnect to that breath, especially that exhale, um, because you know tight tense. I just think of someone who's bottled up all their energy and stuff, and just letting like a really good yeah. exhale is going to take a lot of that away. Like if you if you conscience, there's no way of like consciously exhaling without letting some of the tension out right. of your shoulders letting yourself sink down and if you're you're not if you're so tense that you're not going to remember to do that have an anchor word like exhale mm -hmm. tell yourself to exhale the second that you start feeling tight say in your mind exhale and let that deep breath go let your shoulders sink down and really focus on that and even for a second if you're not thinking about your horse that way you can reconnect to your horse in a quieter approach um as far as if you practice the test to feel confident she anticipates the movement i would in an unmounted session work on like the visualization of riding through your test where are the movements happening what's going on like ride that test so confidently in your brain that when you get on your horse you get to just ride every step like it's effortless yeah um, and I would just add to that, we've talked about this before, but tapping into the feel somewhere. Like as soon as you start feeling, like pick a part of your body. Like I usually go to my calf. Like when I can feel my um, calf kind of breathing on the horse's side, that always brings me back. And that has similar to the, the idea of breathing, which I do think that's number one. Breath is going to help. But then um, using some feel that you can really connect with to kind of get into that instead of staying in your head. Yeah, and if you don't trust yourself enough to really use those concepts on the horse, like having that practice outside of the saddle, like just set aside, even if it's five minutes a day, 
to like tell yourself exhale and work on that exhale practice that breathing that you can use in your ride I think it will really show some great benefits for sure good stuff all right so our actionable advice for the month is to make a new realistically optimistic goal for the second half of 2020 so my goal that I'm gonna make um, is to get halfway through my yoga teacher training. So um, by the end of the year, I'd like to be at least halfway through, hopefully more than that, but like a realistic yet optimistic goal is to be halfway. And we will check in with you yeah. on that, Emily, yeah, come December. I'm, um, You'll be cramming December I'm, 1st. I think I'm all right. I think I'm doing well. I just need to... Well, so what you need to do now is break down and break it down into smaller goals and know exactly how much you need like pick like three or four or five dates yeah. along the way or like even weekly how much do I need to get done to get halfway through that's, that's a good point and create your checklist yeah so that's a Tyler thing to I do I need to get through four modules I'm on the second I'm like halfway through the second okay yeah all right so anyway We'll see. What about you? What's your realistically optimistic goal for the rest of the year? You know, I would like to get straight A's for the first term of my doctoral program. How's it going so far? I've got lots of hundred percents going for week That's one great. of classes. So <laughs> week one, pulling the A's. Week one, let's go. I'm let's like, go. of course, I'm sure that I'm gonna have like my busiest weeks of school when I'm like at Great Meadow and AECs, but like who is not up for the challenge if not Tyler Held? Yeah. Maybe yeah. someone else will drive the trailer and I'll get all my schoolwork done in the ride that would there. Be fantastic. Yeah. Isn't it? All right. So, what's next for us? Uh, we are going to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin, on September 12th and 13th at North Star Equestrian at Greenfield Farm, doing a whole equestrian clinic. If you want more information about that, head over to striderpro.com. Yep. Um, we've got our clinic details listed there. We've got some really great, uh, it's going to be an unmounted session in the morning where we talk about all the stuff that we talk about on the whole equestrian, um, tailored to whoever's attending. And then we break off and Emily's going to give some riding lessons and I've got some one-on-one -on -one mental toughness coaching sessions. So... So we're looking forward to that. It's going to be like a little mini vacation. I'm pumped. Slash business trip. Mostly business, but also... I mean, sometimes... We had a good time yeah, last year. we really did. So we are looking forward to going back to Wisconsin. We'll get some... Watch out, cheeseheads. Yeah. Here we come. <laughs> um, all right. So we just... On another note, we do want to continue to have experts on our show, show that tie into our four pillars of mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. If you have any suggestions, please let us know because we would love to look into that for you. And if you're ever interested in sponsoring an episode, shoot us an email at thewholeequestrian at gmail.com. So that's that. That's that. Wrap that's up. What's next. Wrap it up. Yeah. Well, we hope that this episode gave you some insight on how to be realistically optimistic. We love engaging with our fans. We love hearing your feedback. Please reach out to us on social media if you have any topic requests, insights, any takeaways that you've, you know, taken from the show. Put <laughs> taken into, away. Taken away. Any takeaways you've taken away, put into real life. Uh, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, 
subscribe, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you we'll listen give to your you podcast. A shout out. We're going to look into those other Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks so much for listening. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.